In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And hey, welcome everybody in the booth. On a Thursday, lots to uh, jam through today and good to have you along. After back-to-back road orange basketball games, we can settle in here for a little bit through the weekend. Lots happening. Basketball and lacrosse. Women's basketball home tonight at 6 o'clock. Odd uh, start time. Brian Higgins is here and ready to roll to the Dome for that following our show. Then we've got the Jim Beheim show tonight, 7 to 8 on the network, 8 until 9 on TK99 locally. And uh, lots to get into, obviously, with Coach Beheim off uh, back-to-back Road losses against ranked teams, now three straight defeats, and certainly any NCAA tournament hopes uh, for the team are uh, a long shot at this stage and uh, probably gonzo after last night. But uh, that's why they play the games, and there still is a mathematical possibility for them to to work their way in. We'll get into uh, that on this evening's program and uh, then working our way toward uh, men's hoops in the uh, Dome Saturday at 4, Georgia Tech. Women on the road, the ROAD as uh, they play on Sunday, and then men's lacrosse. So much for the battle of unbeatens against Army. Army gets whacked by Marist early in the week, just when people are putting out the headlines of looking forward to uh, how much fun we were going to have here Sunday. It's still a battle of two top ten teams. That's right. I refuse to change my uh, mind on that. <laughs> there you go. Well, and that's because the polls only yes. come out once a week. Once a week. I, yeah. I turn in my vote on Sunday night, and I'm not changing it now. Yeah, Army's still pretty good, though. That uh, To quote our friend Quinn Kesnick, uh, Tuesday is for the Hunter. I saw that. Why? He's, is it uh, every Tuesday or is it because... Well, Tuesday is the most normal sort of midweek off, lacrosse yeah. games and it's also... Uh, that's there's the, a lot that's of, your typical Syracuse Hobart. There's a lot Tuesday. of upsets on Tuesday when you know, you're looking ahead. The whole yeah, game. the Hunter. Yeah. But it's for the Hunter. Every Tuesday all season. Quinn, that doesn't Quinn seem like a thing. I mean, everybody wants to c- create phrases and coin and hashtag and make a t-shirt. Enough already. It's a lot to lot to take in. Quinn just creates the phrase. He's not into the uh, apparel business, best I can tell. No, but I mean, everybody's out to make a buck, right? So is it only a matter of time? You never know. You could wear the shirt on Tuesdays. You know, when you show up with a shirt, like for instance, the college basketball writer that creates phrases and that makes the shirts. And shirts, yes. When you show up in that shirt. Maybe at a social function with your friends. Like I, I, unfortunately, this time of year, the the idea of what most people would consider a normal social life. But like when you watch a, just I don't have that. But when you watch, it's like a beer commercial on TV, right? Or mm-hmm. what, what? What are they all doing on all those the the beer commercials, particularly in the category uh, Mick Ultra, Corona Light, whatever? They want you to think that everybody in this certain this age range from twenty four to forty has this cool job downtown, and then they race to meet their friends at uh, 5.30 to have a few brews, you know, at the, right? And then they're all wearing these, that's that's what the function, right, where you would wear a shirt that says, we sleep in May or whatever, right? Sure, yeah. So when you show up at that, whether you find yourself in a McAltra commercial or you, mm-hmm. you have that type of uh, social life and lifestyle, 
do you have to explain it to people? Like, yeah, this is a saying. I think the shirt guy. explains itself. West Virginia, of course, you'd only wear it if you were a fan of those teams, and then it kind of takes care of it. West Virginia defense tougher than a weekend at your in-laws. That doesn't really need much more. It's kind of weird if you're wearing that in like Montana, right? Isn't there? A, I mean, speaking of last night's opponent, I think there's a Chris Mack one, but I'm blanking on what it is. Uh, that probably is. So, uh, one thing that just popped in my head—a little stream of consciousness that kind of goes through your head and on the drive into the the radio show. And we'll get into the game certainly. And your phone calls are welcome. Three one five four three seven seven six four four. Award-winning uh, Syracuse basketball beat writer Mike Waters will join us in his regular spot coming up here on Thursday. I think that's copyrighted now, too. Award-winning? Yeah. Really? Award-winning Mike Waters. Okay. Copyright. H2O. Get him a shirt. So maybe it's just because it was the, the day and I came in on 690 westbound and happened to, to see it. Looks like more of the roller coaster at the top of the dome is, is takes it. The the Walt and his buddy there they're they're pointed straight. I, I still to this day, not that I'm I'm not watching the webcam or anything. I've not seen them. I, they're obviously doing something because they're in different positions. I've not seen them hold a piece of equipment. I've mm-hmm. not seen them move anything. So all of this is happening uh, stealthily. But it looks like more of that ring is uh, is coming in. And I'm here to tell you that I think the the fear that oh it's gonna you know change the skyline or whatever. It, it might make the dome more prominent. You're not going to miss it. The, the idea that the buildings over time have crept up around it and it's blocked off from 81 and stuff, it's not going to be that anymore. You're, you're going to notice this thing when you drive through. Oh, it's peeking up over the top now. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the way. And you can kind of see how it get the general gist, I think, at this point, what the whole thing's going to look like. So, Yeah. Getting a grasp on that. Yeah, we'll keep keep an eye on that, and we're really in the closing days here, the next uh, couple two, of weeks. Yeah, two weeks left, right? Yep, two more men's basketball games, just a couple of women's basketball games, a couple of lacrosse games, and then uh, forget about it, shut that thing down, and they'll uh, get to the, the real hardcore work on it. Okay, so that's enough uh, stalling. Let's get into the, the basketball game from last night, and obviously no bueno as the Orange were overmatched by a very good Louisville team, and... I don't know what there is uh, to say about it beyond what Coach Beheim said about it after the game, which is, look, they're they're better. This is this is the way it's going to be, um, and they are better than Syracuse in a way that really matters. Now, um, Florida State also, I think, is bigger, stronger, more physical, but maybe not in the same way that it it just didn't play out quite that way in the Saturday game where uh, Syracuse was able to get maybe a high percentage uh, looking at a shot and, and that type of thing was able to kind of hang with Florida State in a way that they could not last night. The the dominance around the rim, the the ease at which they spread the floor and moved the ball on offense against the Syracuse defense and then just uh, crushing the orange on the boards. Uh, combination of all of those things, uh, just too much, and, and it uh, was the first non-competitive game in a while. Yeah, so that was the first one where it really felt like it went off the track since looking back. I wouldn't even say the Georgetown game. I mean, that that was a tough loss, but it was competitive uh, throughout the second half, probably since the Iowa game and the, the Big Ten ACC, and then certainly uh, the two games before that, the the games down in uh, New York at Barclays, the, the three-game stretch where it all went kind of haywire and put the season in peril, I guess, at that point. But you look at sets then, the wins and the losses, entertaining back-and-forth games, and it just wasn't 
last night. It's too bad for the guys because you, you kind of wished out of this Florida State, Duke, Louisville trio of games, setting aside the needing them for the tournament, you kind of felt like these guys had played well enough in these games to have won one of them. And unfortunately, you come out of the three uh, without any wins, which is, I think, going to be too bad for this group when we look back on it. Yeah, and even say what you want about these last few years, and I think people are are want to talk about, you know, hey, they've come up short or whatever. They've, they've in those periods, have jumped up and sniped somebody, a, a top 10 team on a regular basis. And this year, it uh, didn't happen. I suppose it possibly could happen still in the uh, – in the ACC tournament in Greensboro, but that's a big if to even work your way into a matchup like that. So for all intents and purposes, they didn't get a big fish this year short of the road win at Virginia. Virginia subsequently fell out of the the top 25, and the the Duke home game was the best shot at that. Another bounce of the ball here or there, they may have been able to win at Florida State, who hasn't lost at home this year and was playing without its uh, leading scorer in the game. But... uh, Louisville was just loaded for Bear last night coming off uh, back-to-back losses, and uh, they had been gotten, as Coach Saddle said repeatedly in the broadcast, they had been uh, gotten after uh, quite a bit over the course of that game, or of course of, the, of that time in the two-game losing streak, a lineup shuffle, and, and some different things uh, happened there. So uh, Louisville was uh, ready to roll and uh, playing at home. That was a difficult task uh, for the Orange last night, and they did not have enough. We'll visit with uh, Mike Waters about it here in a moment. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the you know the Orange right now need to basically rip off a winning streak to make the NCAA tournament because they don't have a quote unquote you know marquee no questions asked big uh, game win here uh, no elks and moose and whatever it is that you you go out and you hire, uh, you hunt if the you're buck yeah big buck ten point buck? beyond a buck I mean yeah. well, a fourteen point we need the whole mm. whole thing. But uh, because they don't have that right now, then you you need the volume. You need the volume of wins anyway. But uh, there's no margin for error. At 14 wins overall, seven in the league, they're gonna have to win five, six more games, and they only have five left in the regular season. Um, so you can do the math on that, and uh, no margin for error here. All these teams on the remit. The upshot is on the remaining schedule, they can beat every team that they'll line up against. Can they beat them all? In a row, uh, that's a different story. Anytime you flip the coin, it could come up heads. To come up with seven heads in a row is a little bit, a little more difficult. And and we shall see. This Georgia Tech team that comes in on Saturday is a much different lineup than the Orange buried uh, in Atlanta in December. We'll touch base on that with Mike Waters in just a moment. We are, as always, brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company. Hot dogs and sports go hand in hand. But don't forget the beer brats, Italian sausage, Kielbasa, jalapeno, cheddar sausage. I mean, who would forget those? Those are a lot more fun than just your straightforward hot dogs uh, to begin with. All suitable for your sports viewing pleasure. About to be baseball season where you can head out to the ballpark and get yourself a hot dog. Are you going to play the games this year or are we just... uh, (laughs) Where are we at on that? Enough already, but boy, there's been some great... The players who want to be left alone most of the time have really come out with some great quotes and stuff lately. Huh? Oh, it's outstanding. Uh, the one that we can't even say on the radio is a guy who left the A's and you know now he's gone and basically has taken shots at the A's for being cheap, the stadium for being crappy. He's like, well, if we even wanted to cheat, how exactly would we have done this? <laughs> they don't. Yeah, their camera would have like, fallen out of center well, field. <laughs> if, right. If, if the A's tried to do the 
uh, trash can banging thing, nobody would hear him because like, the dugout is a cab ride from home plate at Oakland Stadium. Like, Don't bang the trash can. It's catching the leaking water. <laughs> right. That's, a, that's another thing. Uh, the they were saying, "What would we have done? Had a popcorn vendor, you know, fl- or peanut guy throw the peanuts up in the air?" And so, a lot of uh, creativity there. Uh, Rob Manfred really stepped in it with his referring to the championship trophy, known as the Commissioner's Trophy, as a quote piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not a smart thing to say, and uh, everybody's paying for it here. But I think you're, I'm with you, Brian. Let's just let's play the games. Let's let's get to uh, spring. Let's get to better weather, and. Uh, We'll have plenty of time to talk about that before then. All right, don't want to uh, wait on Mike Waters too long. He's assuredly making his way back from uh, Louisville. We'll visit with him when we return. In the booth, brought to you by the Hoffman Sausage Company on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. And we welcome you back on the show, brought to you as always by the Hoffman Sausage Company and our friend Mike Waters. His visit uh, weekly is a service of the Oswego County Insurance Agency and Fellman Brothers Automotive. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm good, Matt. Still making my way back to you, babe. I was going to ask you, where uh, where are you on your journey? Philadelphia International okay. Airport, making a connection here. So far, so good. You must know your way around uh, the Philly and D.C. airport, the halfway houses between... ACC country in Syracuse, right? Uh, D.C., Philly, even Charlotte. Yeah, I can pretty much tell you where to go, what restaurants to avoid, where the cleanest bathrooms are. All all part of uh, a day's journey and making your way back, back back-to-back road games. Then uh, home Saturday against Georgia Tech before uh, Pittsburgh Wednesday night of next week. Before we get uh, any further, Mike, and get back into the game last night and all that, congratulations on another haul. You and uh, everybody at Syracuse.com um, bringing in the, the hardware this week and the, the honors. But, uh, again, you've been recognized as a top beat writer by uh, paper size, and we heartily agree. So uh, congratulations to you and the crew. Well, thank you. And uh, I agree with you that the uh, I'm glad you said the whole crew because our sports department had a really terrific year in the annual Associated Press Sports Editors contest. And you, you know the rest of the folks uh, down there at Syracuse.com and guys like Nate Mink and Stephen Bailey, Donna DeTota, you know, who covers basketball with me. I, I don't know how I get an award for beat, beat reporting when, you know, we, we all know it takes both Donna and I uh, to do the kind of coverage that we do with this team. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a team honor, and I appreciate you mentioning it. Thanks. You bet. Well, an interesting night in the coverage uh, last night. We left, so uh, we get off the air on the post game show, and on the road we tend to uh, maybe cut out one segment early, let them handle that from the studio, and you know it's a hurry up and wait game. You you rush to the bus, and every once in a while we're one of the first people to the bus, and you're thinking, well, why why did we? have to do that, but you don't want the alternative of being uh, left behind, which uh, could well happen as well. So, uh, sprint out, and Coach Saddle and I are talking about, uh, at that point, Coach Beheim hadn't started his press conference because Chris Mack went first, and we thought, well, this may be a brief one because what is there to say after a large loss on the road to Louisville, and then uh, they'll want to hop you know, on the, the bus and the plane and and get the heck out of here and get on with the, the rest of their season. And it was anything but. There was a, an eventful 13-and-a-half-minute uh, press availability last night with the Hall of Famer. 
13 and a half minutes, basically 10 minutes longer than uh, the, the one after NC State at home a week earlier. Uh, and, you know, uh, 10 extra minutes in a press conference is quite a long while. And it was interesting. At times he was um, brutally honest about his team's uh, deficiencies and shortcomings. We're just not good enough. Uh, problems in the middle. They continue. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, our offense is limited. We can't throw it to a big guy. And then at the same time, he would turn around and 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 say how hard this team is battled. So yeah, he was. And a lot of coaches don't do all this. Um, a lot of coaches are very bland and vanilla. They'll never criticize their team. They'll never criticize a, a conference. Uh, they'll never criticize a reporter. <laughs> and, and we can get all that in one presser from, from Jim Beheim. And it was really interesting as he went through his team. And, but he, he did keep coming back to the fact that he thought that they, they've continued to play hard all year. And it, after it was all over, I kind of was thinking to myself, I think this was probably the message that if he didn't send it in the locker room to the team, and I suspect maybe he did, he was sending it to them through us and after that they have to keep playing hard. And he wants them to keep playing hard even when at 14 and 12 overall, they're probably going to hear from a lot of sores, you know, folks out there that the season's over, they're not making the tournament. And you can't do that. You know, you have to keep playing. You have to keep playing hard. And whether you think you're playing for this year or next year or pride or because you never know who's watching you, um, you have to keep playing hard. So I think that was the overall message. What, Mike, do you make of uh, Jim Beheim analytics guy? Because he's he's not one to pour over the numbers, but I think the way he operates, he, he kind of subconsciously knows the numbers without having to look at them. So what do you make of his reaction when he hears some of those coming at him? Well, you know, he had two things last night that seemed to bother him. The first was you know, a lot of stories, and I'm one of the folks that has written a story about, you know, is the team tired or not? I looked specifically at how they had been finishing out first half or second half. Um, wow, just got a little loud here at the Philly International Airport. Um, we got but, you. Uh, the, uh, sorry, totally okay. lost my train of thought. No, we're talking about here, analytics. Some more fun conversation than no, we are. <laughs> you had written about, uh, you know, maybe not finishing well at the end of halves. You were talking about the things that uh, – Coach Beheim was reacting to last night. Yeah, and you know he was under the belief, you know, saying you know they don't get tired. But fatigue wasn't the only thing that I had pointed to in, in my story. I thought fatigue was an issue in a couple games, and in fact, after one game, I think it was NC State when Quincy Garrier had to play like thirty-seven, thirty-eight minutes. Jim himself had said Quincy ran out of gas. Okay, well that means he was tired. So I think against NC State, you can say maybe at the end of the first half. That Quincy, maybe a couple other guys got tired, but other things have been happening too. It's hard to close out a half for Syracuse when Marek Dolajai and Barama Sidibe are on the bench with fouls. Whether it's three fouls apiece at the end of the first half or they're fouled out of a game at, in the second half. And I, there were several games that when you looked at how they had failed to close out a half or, or, or a game, it was more because of fouls than fatigue. Um, and sometimes you have to look at it, and it's hard to get in, really into it if you want to get deep in the woods. At the end of the first half, if you're asking a Marek Dolajai Barama Sidibe to play the last three or four minutes with three fouls, can they continue to play as aggressively as they have to? And that could actually hurt you. So, you know, they're, they're, but there's no denying that, that it has been an issue for them in terms of the last four minutes of the first half and last four minutes of the game. 
But like I think what? it's for a variety of reasons, not just sure. fatigue. But that was definitely on Jim Beheim's mind last night was the fatigue issue. Well, those two in particular, Dolajai and uh, Sidibe, have been regularly ahead of schedule and fouls. That Even if they don't foul out, but they both fouled out eight times this year. And it's hard to find records on that type of stuff, but I know that in recent memory, that's the most that anybody has had. Pascal Chuku fouled out uh, seven times two years ago, and these guys are at eight apiece and counting. And it's a piece, and it, very frequently it's been both of them. And very frequently it's been with significant time left in the game, not a minute or a minute and a half. We're talking seven minutes, ten minutes. And yes. uh, that significantly weakens uh, this team. And I, I'm well aware that uh, you know, Barama is not uh, Kareem, but to not have him available and to be down to your next guy and the guy after that uh, late in games has uh, clearly uh, hampered this team. And, and he was no match to begin with. I thought Malik Williams was an absolute beast uh, in the game last night and, and made his presence felt at both ends of the floor in a way that Syracuse just can't match up this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and looking again at Barama, you mentioned how many times he's fouled out. Look at how many games that he's finished with four fouls. Right. So, again, you know that he's playing through significant time on the floor or missing significant time, again, because of foul trouble. So it's not just a game he fouls out. It's, it's so many of these games where he's playing through it. And, and you say, yeah, he's not Kareem. Uh, you know, but but neither are the guys on the bench. Uh, John Havlicek, you know, right. and so we, there, there's not a sixth man of the year coming in at the five spot. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not like Jeremy McNeil backing up Craig Forth on the 2003 team. So when Barama goes to the bench, yeah, it, it's it's an absence that, that 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 is felt, especially sometimes when he when he's actually playing well. You know, when he's when he's getting some rebounds for you and 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 making the right defensive reads. So, I did you, know, a, uh, you wish at this point in the season it wasn't a problem you were still discussing. That's that's the real issue. That that twenty six games in, you're still having to tell two upperclassmen don't commit silly fouls. Let's say, Mike, just looking at it real quick, Barama has picked up at least four fouls now in sixteen of the last seventeen games, and and fouled out in five of the last six. That's amazing. And think of last night and the Wake Forest game a couple weeks ago. The fifth foul was basically a U-turn, like on the court foul back out of the game. <laughs> it's like a game show. Yeah. And thanks for coming. Your prizes can be picked up at the gate. Uh, it's like one of those memes when the guy, the old man from the Simpsons, walks yeah. to the door, and takes off his hat, turns right around, puts his hat back on, and walks right back out the door. Right. Uh, Mike, you and I, uh, we spent some time in doing our game uh, prep and coverage uh, with the. Websites with the analytics with the Ken Palm, and uh, we even have the subscription, right? You pay the extra twenty bucks, and you can uh, really make that thing dance in there. And you can find a lot of uh, a lot of nuggets and nitty gritty and search. And but Love there, it. but there is no function in Ken Palm that actually goes to film review where it assigns who's responsible for giving up what points. So Ken Palm took uh, maybe an errant shot last night that might have been meant for somebody else. Yeah, uh, you know. Ken Palm, innocent bystander last yes. night yes. when when Jim was uh, was mad about some website that had taken uh, some data from another website and and was looking at whether the zone was uh, more prone to being attacked on Buddy's side of the floor and you know that's something that I've you know heard fans debate and stuff 
But yeah, as Jim point out, it, it is hard to tell sometimes in the zone well, who was responsible for that because they do have their bumps and slides and responsibilities. But yeah, poor Ken Palm, <laughs> you know. But at least he's making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, is he though? That, that, I, I that, don't know. I think that was the other thing that, and I, I know you know uh, Ken enough to dial him up. Uh, Ken Palmer yeah. is his name, and he runs the, a great website called KenPalm.com. But it is, it is purely number crunching there is no video yeah. review that you would need to have to, to go into that and that does exist uh, football is a better example. uh the people at pro football focus they have they hire people to sit there and watch the games and figure out you know who was in coverage on certain passes and whatever and and there's a, a lot that goes into that you that's not the way college basketball data generally is done there may, may be a place that i'm not aware of but it certainly isn't uh and uh, on Ken Palm's website, which does have a lot of other functions, but it is um, purely black and white in, in terms of uh, like an example where we used Ken Palm last night was experience ratings. Louisville is 31st in experience because when you, you, you score every minute played by a player based on where they rank in, you know, in, in classes and they've got grad students that are on the floor, they've got seniors and juniors. They've got a lot of experience, and Syracuse is near the bottom in experience on, on the Ken Palm ratings. Yeah, Ken Palm's a great site. KenPalm.com. For anybody out there listening, if you haven't gone to it and, and just kind of seen what he has, and you don't even have to get the subscription to go really deep in it, uh, there's stuff on there that's for free. It's To me, as a basketball writer, it, it's it's a necessity. Um, you know, going back to the zone, you know, and whether, you know, uh, to do like a film breakdown on whether, you know, how many points are coming at one player's area of the zone. That's really hard to do. Um, listen, we all know this year's zone has more problems than just one guy's responsible for. Right. <laughs> this, this, this is not a very good defensive team, especially by Syracuse standards. Their defensive overall uh, efficiency, which is something Ken Palm does track yes. is the worst in at least a decade, I think. So, or uh, maybe almost. I got that decades. up here. One second. Um, I know for a stretch, and this this ended with the uh, Andrew White uh, team. Yeah, that was a the, Syracuse had been in the top twenty in uh, in defense on the Ken Palm ratings for eight years in a row prior to that, yeah. and uh, that team, and then this team rank uh, up in the hundreds. To, to give you an and idea, that's not going to work because with the with the, with the zone, teams are going to shoot threes against you. If they shoot anywhere near a decent percentage, your defensive efficiency is going to plummet. It just it, the, the defense has to be better in order for the zone to succeed. Just because you know the way teams will attack it um, and shoot a lot of threes. I mean, like you look at North Carolina State a week and a half ago. North Carolina State's not a great outside shooting team. They made eleven threes. Florida State made a ton of threes. And early, you know, just in the first half yesterday, Louisville made, like, I think it was seven threes in the first half. Now, in the second half, they didn't have to make any because by, by that point, they were just having a field day with the zone going high-low. And you're just watching Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch dunk after dunk after dunk, um, you know, as they were just dumping. At that point, they're just carving things apart. But it started with good outside shooting. Like I said, seven first-half threes. So, like, and again, going back to the the, the the original point, the problems with this team zone goes beyond one man. Mm-hmm. It does, and Coach Settle and I were talking about it on the drive home or the flight home last night. I, I think, and this is not to put words in his mouth; this is my own feeling. I think teams also are kind of getting better and more capable to attack the zone. So, 
the Louisville spread the floor so significantly last night in a one-three-one setup that they had a lot of things that are very difficult to defend. They put you in a bind. They they put two players in your zone that make it really impossible for or very very difficult. Let's say to get the to the slides and get to the spots where you need to be, and and that's good play design, and you still need to make the shots, which uh, they were able to do. Quickly, just to pay off the idea of the, of the Ken Palm, uh, have it up here. The, Syracuse's defense on the Ken Palm ratings are adjusted defense, starting with the uh, 2010 season was uh, 14, 17, 6, 6, 13, 20, 18, then 119. The 2018 team was fifth in the country in adjusted defense. Last year, 30th. This year, 138. So, you're there looking you, at, go. you know, two of the last four years historically bad by that uh, defensive measure, which is it takes in a number of things into account, but it, in essence is points per uh, possession allowed, and and uh, and so that's that's how that works in terms of what are the ratings and what's uh, Coach Bayham talking about, and that type of thing. But that that's what you have there. All right, Mike, uh, quickly here because we don't want to uh, overindulge on on your time, and I know you're trying to find a, a flight back. Georgia Tech comes in on Saturday. And the thing about that is, while Syracuse did blast uh, Georgia Tech and have a the most lopsided ACC win they've ever had uh, on the road in early December, uh, they'll be in for something different this time around, albeit at home. Georgia Tech's a different team. They are. And, and the main reason they're different is because they're going to have their point guard, Jose Alvarado, back. Uh, he makes them a much different team. Uh, back in December, Michael DeVoe was scoring a lot of points, but he was also having to handle the ball a lot. And, and they just did not attack Syracuse's zone well. I think that will look different with Alvarado out there. Uh, the other thing, too, is Georgia Tech started that game in the zone. I'm going to be shocked if Georgia Tech starts the game in zone on Saturday after the way Syracuse shot the ball down there. And with the way Syracuse has been struggling against some of these tough physical man-to-man defenses, if I'm Georgia Tech and Coach Josh Pastner, even if, even if I do like to fiddle around with some zones, including a 1-3-1 like a and everything, I have to think that I'm going to see how my man-to-man works against these guys just because everybody else has just you know put the blueprint out there. Uh, you you don't want to give guys like Joe Girard and Buddy Bayheim the chance to get off a clean look from three, even if it's from 23 or 24 feet. Because for Buddy and Joe and even Elijah Hughes, range isn't the problem. It's getting a good clean look that's the problem. So now Georgia Tech's playing much better. They're now tied with Syracuse. I think they're both seven and eight in the ACC. Uh, in that big, goopy, gloppy mess that is the middle of the ACC standings. Goopy, gloppy mess. That sounds like something you might see at the Philadelphia airport. That's award-winning Mike Waters calling yeah, it that's a goopy, exactly gloppy it. mess. They don't, uh, they don't just give those awards to, to anybody, and, they, and Mike didn't get his by accident. So. And wordsmith, baby. Uh, good stuff there, Michael, and uh, safe travels the rest of the way. You boys have a great day, man. It's good talking to you. That's... I hope I see you on Saturday. I hope I'm not here. <laughs> you bet. We'll see you there. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. Sounds like he's he's not really in jeopardy. He's going to make it. I, I feel feel pretty good about it. But that's why he's award winning uh, Mike Waters for joining us. We we appreciate his his wordsmithing there and sharing it with us. Uh, brought to us as always by Oswego County Insurance Agency and Felman Brothers. He hit range. One quick thought on that, Brian. Mm-hmm. That's what Ryan McMahon did last night. It wasn't like Syracuse forgot about him or or whatever. The amount of ground that needs to be covered, the ball got into high post way too easily. But what happens is once it now gets into the post. The guards, Joe and Buddy, are, are making an effort to to double down or get back in there, and now they're 
they're chasing after it, and the ball's thrown back out and not to the top of the key or, or to the three-point line. It's thrown back out two steps beyond the three-point line, and he's fine with that. <laughs> and uh, and that's where you pay. And he had the four uh, three-pointers, and, and the rest is history. That makes a, a big difference. It wasn't like they weren't aware of Ryan McMahon or, or anything like that, but uh, his threat spaced the floor significantly. And he hit the first two early, yes. so that that sort of changed. I mean, Syracuse is well aware about him from his entire history against the Orange, but when you bang the two in, what, the first five-ish minutes of the game, mm-hmm. well, that now the floor is spread out in every which possible direction. Now you got a problem inside and outside, and Louisville uh, exploited that for the rest of the game. Yeah, they really did. They had a lot of good players. Malik Williams I thought was awesome uh, last night, just uh, wreaking havoc at both ends. He had 14 points, 13 boards, and 23 Minutes. Okay, we're a little overdue here. We'll take a break. Back with Do We Care in a moment on In the Booth from ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. In the Booth with Matt Park is brought to you by Hoffman Sausage Company. Welcome back, everybody. It's very Jim Nance of you. Hello, friends. Jerry McNamara casually name dropped last the other night at dinner. He's like, yeah, I was just texting with Jim Nance. Well, good for you. Mm-hmm. Excuse us, Jerry. Let's go to the phones and welcome in Frank in East Syracuse. Hello, Frank. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Listen, I don't think that there's anybody in this town that has a better pulse on the gloopy, gloppy mess. That seems to be Syracuse University sports than one Matt Park. Oof. I have to ask you a question. That would explain why my hands are always dirty. No. <laughs> Indeed. Yep. Uh, football, four and eight, four and eight, ten and three, five and seven, twenty-three and twenty-six, entering the fifth year of Coach Babers, who's a nice guy. And the prognosticators are saying, if you believe them, that this could be Syracuse should be last in the ACC. Basketball, not just this year, but the last four years. On the bubble, off the bubble, bursting bubble. Uh, and even even women's hoop, and Brian, you, you're close as anybody to that. They, they have an up-and-down year. They've got great recruits, or so they say. Uh, lacks this year, hopefully, they seem to have a group of guys that can get it done. We're used to them being uh, the final four on Memorial Day weekend. I guess my, my point is this. I, I I feel like maybe, and I hope it doesn't last too long. Sounds like a lot of good news so far, Frank. What? Well, but but you can't deny what I'm saying, Matt. I mean, no. right now, people who live, and I'm, I'm, I've been here all my life, and I've seen uh, a lot of games, and we expect, we expect a certain level of play. And and it seems to me like we're not getting anywhere near that level of play that we're used to as fans. And I'm not just a guy calling up and uh, saying something. I'm a season ticket holder. So do I have a right to say something? I guess so. I spent a few bucks up there. But we get disappointed when we see the things happening around Syracuse University that we see. Maybe they're in over their head with the ACC. I don't know if that's a fact. But it seems like they're in a lull period, which a lot of programs go through. I'm not sure if they can get out of it. I don't know. I don't see any great 
Any great news about recruiting for basketball? I know they got that five-star kid that's a verbal. He could end up going somewhere else. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? I, no, I, I do. I just I don't I see a positive. I don't see a positive spin on the whole Syracuse University sports programs at this point in time. And I'm not sure that they can get above and beyond where they're at now. I love John Wildhack. I think he does a great job. But where are we, Matt? With, okay. Where are we with Syracuse sports? Okay, good. And you don't don't have to, you don't have to bottom down or anything. I was just I, my only the I didn't mean to interrupt you, Frank. Other than to say, are we getting to a question right. or what? So none of what you said is is inaccurate. Except the, the only thing I would just quibble about is a couple of things I think we need to throw out for the conversation. And unfortunately, sure. and there you go, Tommy. There, here's your do you care? You can rip that up for today, Tommy. Okay. Uh, and we have to end the show here in a couple of minutes anyway. So th- this Frank, we could do a whole week or month of shows on right sure. because you, sure. you've yep. you've laid out what the overall general conversation really should be about now and i would like to actually kind of make some notes and kind of have a little more prepper a prepared uh, response in coming back but in no particular order i think you're right i mean the results have not been extraordinary they've been pretty good there have been moments of excellence you hit on a couple of things acc is a much deeper pool than the big east it is right and there's trade-offs with it now if you'd rather be back in the Big East or if you'd rather be in the position of Cincinnati or Connecticut, I would just say you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, unless unless you're okay with just kind of being small time and just a different viewpoint on what is successful or where you are in the grand scheme of things. They're just not in the biggest of times. Syracuse is. It's the real – I mean, this is not the best example because – they're not good this year. It's the real North Carolina that's coming into the Dome. It's the real Duke. It, this is the big leagues of, of college sports. And you're going to take your lumps. It's harder to compete. Syracuse does not have the resources that a North Carolina, Clemson, et cetera, that you want to put in there does. So I get it. I get you that. Know, the other thing would be, and I just had this conversation with somebody at lunch the other day. Let's really discuss honestly who the peer group is, and then where do you feel like Syracuse is relative to that? So, would you would you say that Syracuse is inferior on an overall basis to Boston College? Because if I don't think that, okay. So anyway, we, and we could have this discussion another time. Yeah, you when, can debate when we, every every game. Well, we have more time. Played. We get into it. But I also think it's a very um, I, what I don't like. And you're right. This is not a this is not a banner time. There have been banner times, you know. Yeah. periodically here and this is not and, and i'm not claiming otherwise but i right. do think we have a, a great knack of saying well we haven't recruited anybody oh except for that five star who just committed last week two years in advance of when he's coming yeah. oh we haven't recruited anybody. We oh except for the top guy who happened to leave so i think we have a, a way of in the in this community and and I, I probably contribute to it of the pessimism the sarcasm it's tough man I was just thinking I went out to grab a water before knew we were taking your call. Sorry, Brian. Great contribution today on the show. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime. And You're I was doing thinking, great, Brian. <laughs> um, I was thinking about a text I sent to a friend of mine who was at the game last night at Louisville, and I started to get into it, Brian, and Tommy were talking about something else. Is there any question that Louisville's the best place to go in the, the ACC? Like for us, or, or arena like, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, arena it's a, and where you stay. So, pretty good overall package. So don't wonder why you lose out on recruits sometimes to places like that. And everybody's competing and trying. There's different strengths, obviously, here. 
Um, and so I, I hate that we're running up uh, right against the, the last minute of the show, but we can revisit this, Frank, tomorrow or any other day because there, there's a whole lot to get into. And just quickly, no, Frank, no, your no. point on, on women's soups, their best players not playing this year. Yeah. Uh, they've been uh, essentially a top three program in the ACC. Go figure with Notre Dame and Louisville, uh, not ACC teams ever since they've joined the league. I think that'll flip next year. And uh, I think we all share the frustration with lacrosse, and hopefully they load yeah. up and make a run this year. But it's the toughest league in the country, and everybody is going for a title every year. Yeah, I, Syracuse is running with the big dogs, and this is a, a community that, you know, people are leaving, they're not coming, okay? Uh, the frame of reference that you have about, wow, Syracuse was – was competing or, or or beat Ohio State or be, that that's a frame of reference that doesn't necessarily apply to right now and and we can get into it but what they're doing is they're trying to maximize um, what they have and the resources they have uh, football did that let's enjoy the hell out of a ten win season because those things aren't going to happen on on a regular basis it's tough for those to happen this basketball team they haven't won the way people want them to win but they're in the tournament pretty close to every year and they just were in the final four so. Let's hang in there a little bit. We'll talk more about it tomorrow and every other day. See ya.